Thank you, Jesus. God is good all the time and all the time. God is good. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm going to, you're going to get some spiritual meat here today. Some spiritual meat. And uh, if you're tired of spiritual milk, then I say if you're tired of spiritual milk, then who's ready for some good spiritual meat? Amen. And I'm here to tell you today that God wants you to grow. It is God's desire that you grow. God wants you to learn to seize your moment. God wants you to learn to seize your moment. Nobody likes to wait, especially in our society that seeks instant gratification. We have microwave ovens, uh, instant lotto, instant wipe out, wipe, you know, scratch out, whatever you call it, and you win a billion bucks and so forth. But God's ways are higher than our ways, and he has a divine purpose in your waiting for things in this life. If you find yourself growing irritated, angry, or even falling into a state of being upset with God, spend more time in his presence. Many times there's a blessing in the waiting. Sometimes there's been something that you've been praying for, something that you really, 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 really wanted very, very badly, and God appeared to not answer that prayer. And sometimes then we wind up getting angry with God. Yes, there are people that get angry with God. There's times that you scratch your head and you wonder why if a blessing didn't work out the way you thought that it should work out. But many, many times there's a blessing in the waiting. Isaiah 40, 31 says, those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary and they shall walk and not faint. Most people never, never, ever seize their moment because they are paralyzed by their own thinking. And fears concerning the waiting process. It's time to let go of your excuses and never miss your moment again. It's time to seize your moment. There comes a time in your life that you cannot wait and procrastinate any longer. But you must seize your moment. Have you convinced yourself that the abundant life that Jesus Christ has in mind for you, uh, uh, you know, for your life is out of your reach? You sometimes feel that the blessings that God talks about are simply out of my reach and unobtainable. Have you have you developed an if only mentality? Have you developed an if only mentality waiting for something or someone to turn things around? Have you ever sat back and said to yourself, oh, boy, if only I could so and so, if only this, if only that, if only that's called developing an if only mentality when you're waiting for someone else or something to turn things around in your life. Let's go to John chapter 5. <coughs> Excuse me. John chapter 5. So many times we develop this, this attitude, like I said, if only, if only I could do this, if only I could do that, if only someone would do this, or if only some situation would come to pass. John 5. And verse number one. After this, there was a feast of the Jews and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market, a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue, Bethsaida, Bethsaida, having five porches. And these lay a great multitude of impotent folk of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first, then first after the trouble of the water, stepped in and was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. 
So just to pause there for a moment, picture it. Picture this. There was this great pool. And what would happen is that there were all of these people who were sick, lame and so forth, impotent, meaning sickly and so forth. And they would, they would lay around in that pool by the side of the pool waiting for the water to be stirred because an angel was doing the stirring. At that point in time, whoever got up and got into the pool at that time, the water was being stirred. They would they were healed. They were healed on the spot. Okay, so that's the scene. All right. And these people were there constantly doing a great multitude of people. That's the setup. Verse number five says, and a certain man was there which had an infirmity 38 years, 38 years. He had an infirmity when Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had uh, been now a long time in that case. He saith unto him, "Wilt thou be made whole. The impotent man answered him, sir, I have no man. I have no man. When the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. So what he says that he's sitting there by the pool and Jesus said, would you be made whole? And the guy is saying, well, yeah, I want to be made whole, but but there's nobody here. There's no man here to help me to get into the water. By the time I get around to try to get into the water, somebody else beats me to it and gets in before me. So I have no man here to get me in to get my healing in the water. Verse 8, Jesus saith unto him, rise, take up thy bed and walk. And immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. Now, here's a man who was sitting around all of this time and he was waiting for someone else. He was waiting for someone else. Instead of himself just getting up and with all effort getting into that pool, he said, there's no man here to help me. Jesus healing the paralytic powerfully illustrates that your tendency for dependency your tendency for dependency could be standing in the way of your miracle. If you're standing back waiting for someone or something or some set of events to step in to solve your problem or to obtain whatever it is that you're praying for, then you are leaning on a tendency for, for dependency. Jesus challenges you to do what's necessary and can tell you how to receive it. Jesus said, get up and go. Do you want to be healed? He said, yes, then get up and walk. Get up and go there yourself. Instead of laying back and said, I do want to get into the pool, but there's no man to help me. It's time to step out in faith. It's time to seize your moment. It's time to seize your moment. You are next. Wait on God in prayer. He will continue to move in your life if we dare to believe his word and his promises. Do you believe his word and his promises? So much in the word that we read, we really don't do. We really don't do. The word talks about praising God and worshiping God, but how many people really praise God? How many understand what it means to praise God, that God says to praise him? This is, this is not an option. It's not an option. God says to praise me, you see? Yes, no, we take the word as simply as a casual expression, and we stand around, and we don't really deeply praise God. You have a tendency for dependency. You're depending on other things in your life for accomplishing things, for the prayers that you want answered. But one of the things that God is telling you to do to get you to where you need to be to do, we just don't do. We don't take praise and worship in God seriously. How many connect with God during praise in your heart? In your spirit? Do you really, really connect with God? If you're not, then you're missing it. You're missing it. If your mind is wandering around when you should be praising and worshiping God, then you're missing that true connection. And you're winding on depending on something else to answer your prayers, where you're missing what God, one of the tools that God has given you. Wait on God in prayer. He will continue to move in your lives if we dare to believe his word and his promises. Lift your prayer life to the next level. 
I challenge you, lift your prayer life to the next level and get closer in your walk with God. Miracles are right there waiting for you in the wings. Miracles are there. If you could see out of your peripheral vision the miracles that are there that are just waiting for you, you'd be, you'd be totally shocked. You'd be in awe. It's waiting there. You see? You see, but so many times we are not willing to go to the next level. You know, saints of God, I, I've been saying for several months, it's been a recurring theme throughout these messages, that God wants you to move to, your next, to the next level spiritually. You've got to stop playing church. You've got to stop thinking that the words when he says to praise me, to worship me, to, to, to hear my voice, to talk to me, to speak to me. You've got to stop, stop looking at that as, oh, just something that comes out during service or something that I read in Scripture. You've got to take it seriously and put it into your life. Actually try doing it in your life and you'll see things miraculously start, start to happen. In one way or another, we are all waiting. One way or another, we're all waiting. Even those who seem to have it all, are still waiting on something. All right? Even those that seem to have it all are waiting on something. To those that are hearing this podcast on the Internet there, there may be a young athlete out there who's waiting for his opportunity to win. There may be a married couple out, out there that's waiting to find out if they're going to give birth to a baby girl or to a baby boy. There may be an individual out there waiting for lab results from their most recent doctor's visit. We're all waiting for answers, healing, and things to get better. Better. No matter how good life gets. Listen to this now. No matter how good life gets, every living human being on this planet will always be in need of something. Okay? I mean, how good life gets. You may think I have it all and you want to sit back and just live off the, just rock back in your rocking chair and drink a mint julep or something. Oh, I have it all. There's something that you need. There's always something. Psalm 62, verses 1 and 2 says, My soul waits in silence on God alone. From him comes my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my refuge. I will not be greatly shaken. God has promised us miracles. Are you willing to do what it takes to see them through? Are you willing to seize your moment? Are you willing to seize your moment? God has given you some information here today. As this message unfolds, are you willing to seize your moment? Are you willing to stop doing what you've always done? You know the expression, if you keep doing what you've always done, you're going to get what you've always gotten. So if you want to change and you want to really seize your moment, you're tired of where your life is running. You're tired of, of, of not hearing from God. You, you, you know that there's something out there God wants you to do. There's something that you are indeed praying for. God is saying to you today to seize your moment. And he's giving you the tools and the methods to get there, to make that seizure. God has promised us miracles. Are you willing to, 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 to do what it takes to see them through? We all desire the favor of God in our lives. We eagerly pray and hope for his miracles, promises and blessings. But carrying the promises of God often means being stretched. Carrying the promises of God often means being stretched, being inconvenienced. It means being patient enough to nourish those promises until it's God's time for them to give birth, until it's God's time to be born. Living on God's promises can, 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 can stretch our patience. Yes, can inconvenience us. Maybe we have to do a little longer what we're doing and what we're praying will come to an end or some change to happen. And, and, and I'm not where I feel I need to be or my prayer that I'm praying has not been answered yet. So that waiting can indeed inconvenience you. 
But we need to get to be patient and nourish those promises. What does nourishing the promises mean? Nourishing the promises mean that you know what the promises of God are for your life. You know what the promises of God are towards you to nourish those promises. In other words, to feed them, to feed the promises. Just don't put them on a bookshelf someplace and only resurrect them and bring them out on Sunday morning. And then on Sunday morning, when you try to get there to live on God's promises, then you let the devil get in your mind and distract you and take your mind someplace else where you can't focus on the, on the, on the issues, the matters that are at hand. You see, we need to start putting God first in our lives. We need to put God first in our lives. You know, we will break our necks to get to work. We go to work. OK, but when it comes down to worshiping God or going to church, we put that on second base. You see, now what's important there? You see, you see, and this is where we miss it. This is where we miss it. You see, because we think like man wants us to think instead of thinking like God wants us to think. You know, you know, at, 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 there have been plenty of times when, when I was working and whatnot and, and I didn't feel well and whatnot. I dragged into work. But also when it came time to go to church, I dragged in and I went to church. But we put we put man's things first, you see, and we miss the point. We miss what God is saying. You see, God is saying to put in first and you'd be surprised all the other things in your life that aren't working will fall in place. You know how many times I went to church sick and boy, before, before the sermon was over, man, I forgot about being sick and I felt well. I was healed right sitting there in church without anybody laying hands on me. But because of the fact that I honored God and went and decided to worship him, God worked a miracle. Okay, God does healing. So during the time that we're waiting for these things to come to pass, we need to nourish those promises until it's God's time to birth those things that are we wait, we're waiting for in life. Sometimes God's promises seem strange. God's promises seem strange or might not even make sense to you, some of the things that God promises us. Okay, but no matter how impossible his promises seem, it might be time to seize your moment. It might be that time. The time when you think what God is saying seems so improbable, doesn't make sense of how it fits in your life. However, if you act on what God is telling you, that may be the moment that you that God has put in there for you to seize. You see, we let these moments fly right by us because we don't recognize them. Moments and opportunities present themselves to us every single waking moment of our lives. Every single, every single time, okay? But what do you do? You put God first. You put God first in all things that you do. For the first time in many, many, many years, I mean, since my, my boys were youngsters, okay, and they're all in their 80s. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> since, since my boys, boys, boys were youngsters, and now they have children of their own. We have, you know, beautiful grandchildren and everything. But, but way since the time that they were, were young, and I used, they used to help me cut the grass and, and fertilize and do stuff like that. For the first time, I fertilized my own lawn in many, many years. And I kid you not. I got that bag and I had the scissors about to cut that thing open. I said, okay, I'm serious. I said, okay, Lord, here we go. Lord, help me do this. <laughs> okay, not make me not make a mess, burn my hands up and feet up and blind my eyes with the stuff blowing. I'm serious. I mean, I prayed, Lord, help me to put this fertilizer down. And praise the living God, it went, it went, went very smoothly. It went very smooth. Spilled a little bit, but all things considered, what I could have done, that was nothing. <laughs> Amen. Amen. But I'm serious. The point that I'm making to you, even something like fertilizing your lawn, it's become such a habit to me to ask God for something, you know. I mean, especially when it's something that I'm not sure of how I'm doing. Okay, okay. Now, that's a promise because God says to call out to me and I will answer. That's a promise, all right. But how many times do we not seize the moment? Okay, God said to, said, 
call out to me and I will answer in the scripture. So I take that person, I take that as God saying to me, Michael, call out to me and I will answer. So I seize the moment. I say, okay, God, here we go. Let's do this. The point I'm making to you is that these moments come and go in your lives and many times you don't seize them because you don't take the promises of God as being something real. Okay, They're, they are so real. I, 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 I wish I could some way just, you know, express that to you. But you've got to get that in your heart, that the promises of God are moments in your life. That if you seize that moment, you seize that moment, whatever it is that you're praying for, the inconvenience that maybe you're going through at the time will be minimized or shortened or totally eliminated. I don't know. It depends on what's going on in your life. God knows. God knows. You see, you see. But the meat of this message here today, this part of it, getting away from spiritual milk, is that these moments are out there in our lives and many times we don't seize them. Okay? We got praise and worship time. That's a moment. That's a moment. You gotta seize that moment. Praise and worship time before the service starts. That's your moment. You've got to seize that moment. That's the moment here where we, as a body of Christ, we're standing here and we're praising God. And God is here. Uh, uh, what does his word say? That, 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 that I inhabit. I live in the praises of my people. God is here. So you praise him. You seize the moment. You seize the moment. Don't let it get past you. Get, don't let it get past you. You see, the time that you, you let that moment get past you, during that time when you're praising and worshiping God, Holy Spirit may whisper something to your spirit while you're here, while you're here. Holy Spirit may whisper something in your spirit telling you what to do later today, telling you what to do tomorrow. That thought will flash into your mind. When you go to that meeting at 8.30 tomorrow, this is what I want you to say. When you go to that meeting at 9 o'clock, this is what's going to happen. I want you to be on your guard because of this. I want you to be on your guard. So you need to seize that moment. You see, there, there is in the spiritual realm something that I cannot articulate to you or explain to you. There is something that happens in the spiritual realm when you get into deep praise and worship with God. When His Holy Spirit can really speak to you and connect with you, you seize a moment with God that transcends any of your, your concerns, your worries, or anything that out there. It will bring you to a place where you have a full understanding of where God wants you to go. And most importantly, it will put you at peace. It will put you at rest. You'll stop being concerned for what's going on around there. Sometimes God's promises seem strange, as I said before, but that may be the moment. One of the things that I've been hearing again is that my children aren't hearing me. I keep hearing that. My children aren't hearing me. Now, we've talked before about voices and about being able to separate which voices are of God and which ones aren't. We've had that in several messages. We talked about it at Bible study many times. But a fundamental thing about recognizing a voice is to be able to hear it. You've got to be able to hear it. You know how hard it is to hear someone in a real busy place? It's, it's quite difficult. Well, how can you hear God if your life is too noisy and too busy? Okay? You've got to seize the moment. If your life is so busy, all you're doing is focusing on other things, you know, and that busyness can even carry not only in your job, but can carry into your household and carry into your children, into your, into your children. Now, and I know it's very, very, it's very, very challenging to Christians who love the Lord to really spend time with God and to focus on God when you've got small children in the house. I know that. We've been there, my wife and I, okay? But the bottom line is what you have to do is you even have to pray for time, pray to God to, for time to do that. Lord God, order my life, order the children's lives so that I can spend some time with you. And God will do that. God will give you the time. Either, either <laughs> miraculously the kids will jump up. Daddy, we're tired. We need to go to bed. And you're, huh? <laughs> you know, and you want to put them to bed early. And then you've got some time there with the Lord. Out of the blue. Daddy, we're all tired. We want to go to bed. And you're like scratching your head, you know. 
here it is two o'clock in the afternoon. No, not that early. You know, but here it is early right after dinner. Maybe the kids, Daddy, we're ready for bed. Then all of a sudden you've got some time on your hands. Okay? Don't you know that if God wants you to spend time with him, don't you know that he'll make it a way so that you can spend time with him? He's not going to tell you to spend time with him to make it totally impossible, okay? But you've got to seize that moment, okay? The kids, the kids want to go to bed. Quick, put on the bed. Seize that moment. Seize that moment. And go grab your Bible. You heard me say a couple of weeks ago, I believe it was, that, 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 that your loved one, you know, your wife, your husband, your, your, that, that, that if, if you say, oh, honey, excuse me for me, I want to go read my Bible. I want to go pray for a moment, some time. If that person loves you, they'll totally understand. They're not going to say, gee whiz, you know, I want to sit down and drink a cup of coffee with you and watch the song. So you ain't got time for me, <laughs> you know. We ain't got time for me. Say, honey, I want to go 15, 20, half hour, whatever. I feel I need to go talk to the Lord. If that person loves you, they will totally see that and understand it, you see. Because the devil will have it that while the kids gave you the time, all of a sudden we're tired, daddy, we want to go to sleep. Okay, boom, there's the time. The devil will work on your spouse or your husband, your husband or your wife and say, oh, look, look, they're walking away from me. Ain't thinking about me. Boy, what about me? What about me? And try to pull you back so that you won't go to, to be with the Lord, you see? But God will order the time. He'll make it, all right? So you've got to seize the moment. Seize the moment, okay? We've got to learn to stop being, having a tendency towards dependency. The fundamental thing about recognizing a voice is, again, being able to hear it. How would God, how would God expect you to listen to him if he isn't talking to you, all right? Why would God say to you, listen to me, and then he's not talking? God is saying, listen to me, listen to me, because he's talking to you. He's talking to you. But you've got to seize the moment to hear it. Let's go to Psalm 46.10. And I'm, only go- I'm going there instead of just simply reading it because you know it, but I want you to have it underlined in your Bibles if you don't already have it underlined. Because we just got through listening to it in music. Psalm 46. Excuse me. Psalm 46.10. If you don't have it underlined, please underline it for future reference. Because it's such a powerful one. I mean, I have it. I have it uh, all over the place on my computer and everything. But 46.10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen, among the heathen, heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. Meaning that the God of Jacob is your refuge, that means that's a, that's a place of safety for you. It's a place of safety. You've got issues going on in your life where you're running and the pressures of life are upon you. Remember 4610, be still and know that, know that I am God and that he is, is your refuge. So it means whatever it is that's driving you bonkers, whatever it is that has you apoplectic, whatever it is that has you anxious, anxious, anxiety filling up, filling up in you. Remember that God is a place of refuge and all you you need to do is to be still and just know that he is who he says he is. Okay. again, if God was not talking to you, he wouldn't be saying to you that you need to listen. So that means that if God is talking to you and if you're not hearing him, that means that you're too busy to hear him. Okay, there's not an action in your life going on. There's not an issue in your life. There's not a challenge in your life that's going on that God doesn't know about. He knows about it. Seize the moment. Go and talk to him about it. Okay, seize the moment. Okay, Lord, 
I got this bag full of fertilizer. I got all this green lawn that I could easily mess up. Seize the moment. Lord, help me. Help me. Regardless of how inconsequential it is. Okay? And that does a couple of things. Not only will it get you through the immediate problem, the most important thing is what it does. It builds up a habit in you. It builds up a habit in you so that you will get in the habit of asking God and talking to God or going to God about the slightest thing in your life. You've heard me talk about the hangnail thing. Many years I've talked about that. I go to cut off a hangnail. I say, okay, God, guide my hands. I don't want to put a hole in my cuticle all of a sudden there that my finger thumb gets infected and I think I have the whole arm amputated simply because of the fact that I slipped on taking out of the hangnail. Okay? And I say that partly in jest only because of the fact, fact, fact that there was someone that we knew when I was a youngster living in New York there that uh, um, he was trimming his toenails with a razor blade of all things. And he slipped and cut his toe. And that infection spread and he wound up losing his leg. I remember the man saying he's probably since gone to be, to be with the Lord, but his name was Gus. Older man, he was friend of the friend of my mother and father's. But I remember him and remember him seeing a vibrant guy running around, and then from a cane to crutches. Next thing you know, the leg was gone, and he wound up passing. So that's kind of in the back of my mind every time I trim my, my uh, hangnail, and so that's why one of the reasons I pray to God. But I say that to you, you know, telling you that old story. But the main thing, the point I'm making, is that you get into the habit of asking God to help you with every single little thing, every single little thing. If He isn't talking to you, then why would He expect you to be listening? If you learn to be still, you will be able to hear God's warning when you are exposed to false doctrine or prophecies. Because false doctrine can prevent you from seizing your moment. Right? If you're not on the alert for false doctrine or someone that someone is saying, this is what God means about that or this is what God says about that, that can prevent you from seizing your moment because you wind up following what that false doctrine is. I will say this openly and whatnot, but all of a sudden now it's been said that the Lord's Prayer, the Lord's Prayer has been revised by the Pope, and that the, the words in the prayer that says, lead us not into temptation, is making people think that God is leading us into temptation, so the Pope decides that he's going to rewrite the prayer. It's not his job to rewrite God's Word. The Word of God talks about if you change one jot or one tittle, what will happen to you. What he's supposed to be doing is to explain to people what that means. What that means, not go changing the word of God. But you listen to false doctrine and so forth. And what I'm saying to you is that if you start listening to false doctrine, then that can lead you down the wrong path. So therefore, you don't know when you should be seizing that moment. Because you won't even believe what God is saying to you. Because someone else has told you otherwise. God has told, someone else has told you, that's not what the word of God means. It means so and so and so and so. Something that some man dreamed up. So you need to watch out and be careful for that. You learn to be still. So you won't be able to be to be uh, uh, falsely uh, led astray like that. Isaiah 7 uh, verses 1 to 9. Let's go there. Isaiah 7. Praise the living God. Okay, and it came to pass, starting with verse number one, and it came to pass in the days of Ahaz, the son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, king of Judah, that Rezin, the king of Syria, and Pekah, the son of Remaliah, king of Israel, went up toward Jerusalem to war against it, but could not prevail against it. And it was told the house of David, saying, Syria is confederate with Ephraim. 
and his heart was moved and the heart of his people as the trees of the wood are moved with the wind. Then said the Lord unto Isaiah, go forth now to meet Ahaz, thou and, and uh, Shear Jashub thy son, at the end of the conduit of the upper pool in the highway of the fuller's field. And say unto them, take heed and do what? Be quiet. Fear not, neither be faint hearted. For the two tails of, those, of these smoking firebrands, for the fierce anger of Rezin with Syria and of the son of Ramelah. Because Syria, Ephraim, and the son of Ramelah have taken evil counsel against thee, saying, Let us go up against Judah and vex it, and let us make a breach wherein for us, and set a king in the midst of it, even the son of Tabiel. Thus saith the Lord God, It shall not stand, neither, neither shall it come to pass. For the head of Syria is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is resin. And within threescore and five years shall Ephraim be broken. That, uh, that is not a people. And the head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is Remaliah's son. If you, will be, if you will not believe, surely you shall not be established. But the key verse there is, what is he saying in verse number four? Saying to him, take heed, be quiet, fear not, neither be faint-hearted. And then he went on to talk about what was going to happen, you see. So when God is saying to you to be quiet, to be still, this is when he can tell you of impending danger. This is when he can tell you that that particular uh, guy or that woman or that department or this, that or whatever, they're planning to do this, they're planning to do that, which is a plan that will adversely impact you. So when you're taking the time to be quiet, to seize the moment to talk with God, God can tell you, just like he told them what's going to happen in this plan, God will speak the same thing to you, you see. But again, it's learning to seize your moment. Is learning to take what God is saying to you seriously and saying, okay, God, where's my moment? Is this a moment? Lord God, I want to take a moment with you. I want to ask you this. I want to talk to you about this. Seize the moment. Remember that he is the ultimate counselor. If you go to Isaiah 30, Isaiah chapter 30, praise the living God. Isaiah 30, verse 15. For thus saith the Lord, the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest shall you be saved. In quietness and in confidence shall be your strength. And you would not. But you said, no, for we will flee upon horses. Therefore shall ye flee and we will ride upon the swift. Therefore shall they pursue you be swift. They that pursue you be swift. One thousand shall flee at the rebuke of one. At the rebuke of five shall ye flee. Till ye be left as a beacon upon the top of a mountain and as an ensign on a hill. And therefore will the Lord wait that he may be gracious unto you, and therefore will be exalted, that he may have mercy upon you, for the Lord is a God of judgment. Blessed are they that wait for him. There it is again. Blessed are they that wait for him. But verse number 15, though, For thus saith the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest shall you be saved, in quietness and in confidence shall be your strength. So underline that part there, please. In quietness and in confidence shall be your strength. You see, so God is saying today that there is some strength in you being quiet and having confidence in God. If you're always jabbering, how can you hear God? You ever talk to some people? The person that you're talking to is so busy talking that you can't get a word in edgewise. Just going on and on and on and on and on. 
And sometimes a person like that, they're talking so much, if you say something, they don't even hear you. They don't even hear you. They just give you, to one point you got to scream. I will admit one time I was in a, in a house, a room, in a room full of ladies. And they were talking together so much and what and what. At one point I had to scream and say, I'm getting in this conversation. I had to scream like, I'm getting in this because they were just going. They were just going. Yeah, I was talking, trying to put in my two cents, and they just kept on like I wasn't even saying anything. Okay, all right. Some of you can remember exactly the incident I'm talking about, too. And I had to scream out, I'm getting in this conversation. And they, all of a sudden, they all got quiet and looked, what's the matter with him? Okay, all right. Well, sometime, person can talk and talk and talk and talk, and they never, and they never, never, never hear, you know? You know? So sometimes you need to, to be, be quiet. Listen to God. That's where your strength lies. Your strength in God is not you just talking incessantly to God nonstop. You know, you think that if you, people think that if they go and they pray before God and they go, praying out, you know, spewing out all of their wants and wishes and all their fears and stuff to God, that that's going to move God. It's not at all because you can't hear God because he can't get a word in edgewise, you see. And the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's a gentleman. The Holy Spirit's not going to just overcome and just force his way into your life. So if you're constantly, you know, talking, talking, spiritually talking, 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 and you can't hear God. You know, you're not on the same, the same wavelength. So these words that we just read reveal to us the close connection between quietness and faith. They show us what a deep need there is of quietness as an element, as a part of truly waiting for God. If we are to have our whole heart turned toward God, we must have it turned away from man. If you're going to have your whole heart turned towards God, you've got to turn your heart away from man, from all that occupies, from all that monopolizes your other interests, whether it is of joy or of sorrow. See? So if you're going to do that, again, you've got to turn away from, from man for a season. Turn away from all of the other things that are going, in, going on in your life that will preoccupy you to prevent you from being still and hearing God. Because you'll never be able to seize that moment. God is a being of such infinite greatness and glory, and sometimes we can become so distant from God that it requires our whole heart and desires to be set upon him in order to be still and to relieve and to receive him. You've got to go through some effort sometimes to actually be still, you see? Because it would have it that the moment that you try to be still, all these other thoughts will seep into your head to take you out of that, okay? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, I got to go downtown tomorrow. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Next week, I got to do so-and-so. Oh, yeah, I got to go for an oil change. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I got some shoes to return. <laughs> oh, yeah, I got some other stuff I got to do. Oh, yeah, I got this, I got that. You see, you see? But little things like that, little things like that, it seem inconsequential. And we all have these things pop up. The point that I'm making at is not that I'm saying that it is so sinful for us to do that. What I'm saying is that if you're really looking to spend some time with God, when those things pop up in our thoughts, you've got to put them, put them aside. You've got to put them aside. Okay? You, you know? I have this thing where sometimes that, that if I'm doing something and it pop, the thought pops into my mind, oh, I better stop and go do it right now. Because otherwise I'll forget about it. Because so many times when I didn't do it right now, I did forget about it. You know? And it was important. So many times I will stop what I'm doing. I'll get up and go, you know, upstairs to the office or whatever and write down or what is that I need to do and then come back to what I'm doing. But when it comes down to God and it's something that you need to do and it pops in while you're trying to be quiet and be still and talk to God. If that pops up and you let push it out of your mind, guess what? God will remind you. 
He'll remind you after you finish with him. After you finish. Don't be trying to interface and talk to God and be still before God and let these thoughts come in where you feel like you got to, oh gosh, I got to make sure I remember that after I finish with God. I got So that you're dwelling so much on that thing trying to remember that you can't really connect with God because then you're not being still. You follow what I'm saying? You're not really being still because your mind and your heart is in turmoil thinking about what it is you're trying to remember. So you're not really being still. So you got to practice the habit of seizing that moment and saying, I'm not going to think about that now. Okay, Lord, you know I got to feed the fish. <laughs> hey? I know, Lord, Lord, you know that I got to take the dog out. Okay? All right. You don't stop to go take the dog out. God knows the dog needs to go out. God created that dog. You think God can't make that dog hold his bladder till you finish with him? <laughs> All right? But no, why do you rush and take care and worry about taking those other things? God will remind you. You see? It's getting to the point where you always are putting God first. God knows everything that's going on in your life. He knows everything that's going to happen tomorrow, come Monday. He knows. Okay? When you start showing God, I'm going to seize this moment, Lord. It's me and you, Lord. I need to talk to you about this. I want to, I want to be quiet. And then you be quiet and be still. And then listen. Then listen for God to tell you what he wants you to do. Okay? Many times during praise and worship. Many times during praise and worship. This is where God will tell me to pray for people. Because I'm listening. This is where God will say, after we finish the music, I want you to call a prayer line. This is where God says, I want you to say so-and-so. Because you've got to be still. You've got you to learn when to be still. Praising and worshiping God is two-way. Yes, you're telling him, and you're telling him how much you love him, and you're thanking him, and you're giving him all this praise and worship and so forth. Then at some point, be still for a moment. And listen to the music. Listen. Holy Spirit will talk to you. I'm telling you this. He wants to talk to you. But if you're here and your mind is going someplace else and you're thinking about tomorrow, you're thinking about this afternoon or whatever it is, and, and God's trying to talk during that vital time of praise and worship where God inhabits the praises of his people, okay, you know, you don't know where, where I've gone to, some, gone to some, some really good full gospel churches as a visitor or as a guest there, and you walk in the door and you can feel the presence of Holy Spirit. You can feel it. You can feel him in the air. You can feel him. And at that point, it's time to stop. Get yourself situated. We don't let people in the back door if they come in during praise and worship. We don't want that movement of the Holy Spirit to be interrupted at all. You hold them in the back, as the young usher would tell. Hold them in the back respectfully. Ask them to stay in the back until praise and worship stops, because Holy Spirit is moving at that time. Learn to seize the moment. Anything that is not of God that stirs up our fears or stirs up our self-efforts hinders us in our perfect waiting or being still in him. The message in the scriptures are of deep meaning. Take heed and be quiet. In quietness shall be your strength. It is good that a man should quietly wait. Those, those, those words we just read have great meaning. Scripture abundantly testifies how the very thought of God in his majesty and holy, the holiness should silence us. You know? Think about God and his majesty, his holiness, and who he is. That alone is enough to keep, you, keep your mouth shut, to make you kind of in, in awe, to sit back and think about who he is. All right? Habakkuk, Habakkuk uh, 2, 18 and 20, won't go there right now, says the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. That's in Habakkuk. 
Zephaniah 1.7 says, hold thy peace at the presence of the Lord God. Zephaniah 1.7, hold thy peace at the presence of the Lord God. Zechariah 2, let's go to Zechariah. Zechariah 2. Zechariah 2. Thank you, Jesus. Zechariah 2, and go to verse 10. <coughs> Praise the living God. God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. Zechariah 2, verse 10. Sing and rejoice, O daughter of Zion, for lo, I come, and I will dwell in the midst of thee, says the Lord. And many nations shall be joined to the Lord in that day, and shall be my people. And I will dwell in the midst of thee, and thou shalt know that the Lord of hosts has sent me unto thee. And the Lord shall inherit Judah, his portion in the holy land, and shall choose Jerusalem again. Be silent, O all flesh, before the Lord, for he is raised up out of his body habitation. For he is raised up out of his holy habitation. Be silent, O all flesh, before the Lord, for he is raised up out of his holy habitation. There it is again. Be silent, all flesh. As long as you believe that waiting on God is mainly a way toward more effectual prayer. If you think that waiting on God is, is, is mainly, it's just a way toward uh, more effectual prayer. And getting the things we ask for then the spirit of perfect quietness or stillness will not be obtained. You won't be able to get it, okay? As long as you think that waiting on God is mainly just a way for a more effectual prayer or for you getting something from God, the things that you're asking for, then the spirit of perfect quietness or stillness will be very hard for you to obtain. You've got to recognize that, 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 that waiting on God is a whole lot more than just that. There's a lot to be said for this spiritual quietness that the, the scriptures are talking about so much. But when it is seen that being still and waiting on God is in itself an unspeakable blessedness, being still before God is an unspeakable blessedness, then, and, and one of the highest forms of fellowship with God, when you can understand that, the adoration of him in his glory will humble your soul into a holy stillness when you realize that making way for God to speak and reveal himself to you. All right, let me say that again. When it is seen that being still and waiting on God is in itself an unspeakable blessedness. When you get to the point that where you realize that waiting and being still before God is a blessing in itself, you realize that just being still, being in his presence is such an awesomeness, a blessedness, that one of the highest, and it's, that it's one of the highest forms of fellowship with the Holy One, in other words, one of the highest forms of fellowshipping and being with God is to be still with him, to be still before him. This is where he can really, really touch you and be one-on-one, be one-on-one, you know. Some of, the, some of the most important relationships that are formed in your life are sometimes with a human being where you can be quiet together. You can be quiet. If you can be with someone in a room and you can stand to be quiet before one another, then you know that there's a special relationship there. If you're with someone where you feel like you've got to talk every single minute, like you're afraid of that 
what do you call it, that pregnant silence, you know, where it's just so uncomfortable to not, not say something around someone. Somebody you meet for the first time. There's nothing like having to go on a long business trip in a car with someone that you really haven't connected with. It's the most uncomfortable feeling in the world. Got a three-hour drive to a meeting and whatnot, and you go on someplace, and this person, you just haven't seemed to click with them. It's the most uncomfortable thing, you know. There's only so much weather you can talk about. <laughs> and not enough sports teams in the world, I don't think, that can occupy a three-hour drive with someone that you just don't connect with, okay? But someone that you're comfortable with, you can be on that three-hour drive, you'll talk sometime. Sometimes you won't. And there's no discomfort there. There's no discomfort. So the time where two people can bond or are or, or bondable is when there's that quiet time. Well, this is where it's God. Because God doesn't require audible communication to communicate with you. God doesn't require the spoken word that you hear to speak with you. The most meaningful time with God is when you can be quiet with him. And let him communicate with your spirit so that there's a knowing in your spirit of what God is telling you to do. And when you get that knowing, here's a moment for you to seize. When you get that knowing, that will also bring to you the peace to, 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 to go into whatever it is that's troubling you. It will give you that peace to, to take you through whatever it is that is before you when you have that quiet knowing. You see, because there is something about in, 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 in experiencing the stillness with God that not only is a thought conveyed to you, but what happens is that there's a communication with Holy Spirit and your spirit where Holy Spirit, where Holy Spirit disseminates, if that's the word, the right word, or imbues your spirit with his peace. You see, so that when you come out of that still time with God, not only will you know and have a direction or where God wants you to go, but you'll have a peace. You'll have a peace that cannot be spoken to you. God does not say to you during that quiet time, have peace, but you will feel the peace that emanates from his Holy Spirit from the quiet time that you're with him. OK, OK, OK. And, and, and it's hard for me to articulate that until you actually know it and experience it. But the reason that God is saying to be still and to be of good courage and to be strong is because when you're still like that, this is when his Holy Spirit is communicating peace to you and you'll feel you'll feel a relaxation. You won't feel the weight on your shoulders of whatever it is that you're waiting for or worrying about or thinking about. This is when God actually reveals himself to you. Isaiah 2, 6. Um, we'll go here real quickly and winding down. Go to Isaiah 2, back to Isaiah. Praise the living God. Okay, Isaiah 2. Thank you, Jesus. Isaiah 2, starting with verse number 6. Therefore thou hast forsaken thy people, the house of Jacob, because they, um, because they be replenished from the east, and are soothsayers like the Philistines. Isaiah 6, I'm sorry, Isaiah 2. Okay, and we're at verse 7. Their land also is full of silver and gold, neither is there any end of their treasures. Their land is also full of horses, neither is there any end of their chariots. Their land also is full of idols. 
They worship the work of their own hands. Underline that, please. Their land also is full of idols. They worship the work of their own hands, that which their own fingers have made. See, they worship the work of their own hands, that which their own fingers have made. And the mean man boweth down, and the great man humbleth himself. Therefore, uh, forgive them not. Enter into the rock and hide thee in the dust for fear of the Lord and for the glory of his majesty. The lofty looks of man shall be humble, and the haughtiness of men shall be bowed down, and the Lord alone shall be exalted in that day. And the Lord alone shall be exalted in that day. You see? So verse number 8 where they're saying that their land, uh, is, is, they worship the work of their own hands. They, work of, they worship the things that they do. Verse number 11, the lofty looks of man shall be humbled and the haughtiness of men shall be bowed down and the Lord alone shall be exalted in that day. This scripture shows that the fulfillment of the precious promise that all of self and self-effort will be humbled. You can't do things on your, on your own. If you could, you would. If you could solve your own problem, if you could figure out what needed to be done in your life, you'd do it if you could. But you can't, obviously, because otherwise you wouldn't be carrying the burden. All of self, all of self effort will be humbled. The haughtiness of men shall be bowed down and the Lord alone shall be exalted in that day. You can't do it on your own own efforts. Let everyone who wants to learn the art of being still and waiting on God, remember the lesson. Take heed and be quiet. It is good that a man quietly wait. The key is to take time. To be separate from all friends and all duties. The key is to take time to be separate from all friends and all duties, all cares and all joys. Time to be still and to be quiet before God. Take time not only to secure stillness from man and the world, but also from self. Take the time to be still from yourself. Let reading the word and prayer be very precious. But remember, even these may hinder the quiet waiting. The word and prayer is important, but it doesn't outweigh the critical aspect of being still. So in other words, don't think that the whole solution is just simply you reading the Bible. It's important, yeah. Prayer is important, yeah. But don't forget the, the, the ultimate importance of being still before God. Okay? I'm not saying to do away with prayer. I'm not saying to do away with reading the Bible. It has its place and its reasons, its functions. But the important key here, the thing you need to seize today is the importance of being still before God, of being still, being still before him. The activity of the mind in studying the word or pulling together thoughts and prayer, the activities of our emotions with its desires and hopes and fears may so engage us that we do not come to be still waiting on the all-glorious one. So in other words, while you're sitting there and thinking about what to pray about and everything like that, that is so occupying your mind that you can't be still before God. You understand, you understand what I'm saying? You know, it's like I always say, like, like if you got that prayer list, let me pray for Aunt Tilly. Let me pray for my nephews. Let me pray for my nieces. Let me pray for so-and-so. And you're going through all of this time thinking about what it is. That's your thoughts being occupied instead of you spending some time with God. And if you're praying in your heavenly language, if you're praying in tongues, that makes it even more easy for you because you don't have to, again, interface with your mind to think about who to pray for. Have you ever actually literally, literally laid prostrate, prostrate before God? Have you ever done that? Have you literally ever just laid before God on the floor with your arms and legs pressed out? Do you ever do that? An ultimate example of humility, humbling yourself before God. I challenge you, try it sometimes. Try it sometimes. If you're living with someone, your husband, your wife, I would suggest that you tell them, you say, I'm going to spend some real quiet time with God. So if they see you laying on the floor, they don't dial 911. <laughs> okay. 
Alright? Alright? Okay? This is, this is again, it's going, it, it, it's bursting out of the boundaries. It's bursting out of the boundaries of traditional worship and praying to God. Try some time. Try some time. Just get in the choir and just lay prostrate and just pray. Pray. And then listen. And just listen. Try it. Try it sometime. Okay? Though at first it may appear difficult to know how to quietly wait with the activities of your mind and subdue for time, but you can manage to do so with some practice. As you practice, it will become more habit to you. The quietness is the confession of our meekness. It will, it will not be done with all of our willing, with all of our thinking and praying. We must receive it from God. It is the confession of our desire to sink into our nothingness and let him work and reveal himself. You see, again, it's, it's, it's a thing. Let me decrease so that you may increase. Let me decrease so that I may increase. Do let us be still and wait quietly in daily life. Let there be in the soul that is waiting, that is waiting for the great God to do his wondrous work, a quiet reverence, reverence, and abide, an abiding watching against too deep involvement with the world. It's time for you to seize that moment. It's time to seize that moment. Then and only then your whole character will come to bear the beautiful experience of God. It will come to bear that being still and quietly waiting for the presence of God can bring you to a new level. Today is an opportunity for you to seize that moment. Seize that moment. Get away from the traditional thinking um, that the quote unquote that the church teaches us. Because we have to do what we should be trying to do, what God is telling us in his written word. And going to church and worshiping God is more of a, of a spiritual activity than many people would lead us to believe. It goes far beyond us getting together for a couple of hours on one, one day a week and singing some songs and listening to someone giving you a message. It goes beyond that. It just starts with that particular message that you hear or the worship service in church. It's just starting there for that particular day. What happens is that that's just the beginning. As you go through the rest of Sunday and into the rest of the week, this is where you exercise what Holy Spirit, what God is telling you to do. Because the rest of the week outside of church, that's where the challenges lay. That's where the challenges are. And in many times and in many churches, even the challenges lay in the church. <laughs> right there in the church. So the time is for you to connect with God, praise and worship. Make up your minds that you're going to spend some, some, some uh, quiet time with God. Work it, out, work it out with God in a way so that if you're in a family, in a household where it is extremely busy, you've got children, you've got, you know, work, work schedules, school schedules and things like that and whatever else is going. You've got family members, you've got people popping in and popping and going. If you say, God, I really want to spend some time with you, work out my schedule, Lord. Work my schedule. He will make a way. That person that pops up every, every day at 6 o'clock like clockwork for coffee and just sits around and does nothing but want to gossip, they'll stop coming at 6. Don't let them come at 6.15 or 6.30. Just tell them i got to do it some other time or whatever. But you've got to ask God, tell God, I want to spend time with you, and God will make the way. He will order your life. He knows what needs to be done. But you've got to seize the moment. Seize the moment. The clock is ticking. We don't know when Jesus is going to return. It's God's will for us not only to have to have joyous times in heaven, but God's intention is to have joyous times here on earth, too. So if we're struggling with things here on earth, then it means that we're missing something. We're missing something. We're missing something regarding our connection with God. Amen. So seize the moment and move forward from there and find that quiet time with the Lord. I pray this message has been a blessing to you. And now before we close, let us honor God with our tithes and offerings.